Meet Milo. When things get tough... Oh, no! I'm on it! This show must go on. Go, Milo! He shows the world who's boss. Don't worry, wolves love peanut butter. Oh, boy, that was probably my bad. Milo Murphy's Law. All new episodes starting Monday, March 6th, anywhere you watch Disney XD. to the podcast without a cool acronym the podcast where we review disney television animation shows i'm your host chandler deroshay joining me today via zoom we have jonathan edward how's it going kate the great hi guys and joining <laughs> us for the very first time here on the podcast without a cool acronym you know her from the twitter feed at slide over stretch with no e in the over ladies and gentlemen Gingy. hi uh, that would be me <laughs> yes all right so today um well we've technically already covered my little murphy's law on this podcast kind of because we covered it in the time travel episode but this will be our first time covering it for the full length of the podcast on its own episode it's finally getting its own episode milo is due for one i would say anything and everything to get us closer to a season three Yes, anything and everything. Mm-hmm. I, I got oh, so yes. many people who were super excited when I said I was going to do Milo next week. They're like, oh my gosh, Milo. So <laughs> I'm, I'm thrilled about that. And I also am already planning on doing another Milo episode not too far down the road. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a surprise. Because um, it's going to be the episode that I have coming out on the day that I'm actually going to Cedar Point. So we're going to record it a really good way ahead of time. And it's going to be finished before I leave. But I've got some guests lined up for that, that I'm not going to say who's going to be on it, but it's going to be pretty cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That does sound cool. I will definitely be there to listen. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can tell you what the episodes are going to be. It's the family vacation slash Murphy's Lard episode, because I'm like, that's just perfect. It's a road trip and a, and a crazy theme park. <laughs> what, could, what what else could be better than that? Matches up well. Yes, it matches up well. Although hopefully my road trip isn't quite as eventful as Milo's, certainly. <laughs> but hopefully you accidentally with, get on the wrong car. But hopefully with just as many weird stops. Yes. You got to find Horse Face the Equestrian Barbarian. Horse Face the Equestrian Barbarian and Hamasaur. <laughs> and the Jurassic Jungle River ride. I think there was something else. I don't know if it was actually, I can't remember too, too much, but there was something else, I swear. Well, I, I actually... know there was Lard World, which that's the other thing with that episode. And I know that we're not talking about that episode here, but um, <laughs> they mentioned that Lard World is like several states away, but then the next episode, they literally bike to Lard World. So is this a situation where there's multiple of them? It, it kind of reminds me of like how, um, how close Danville apparently is to Niagara Falls um because it just i don't know it's just one of those crazy things <laughs> it's close to niagara falls mount rushmore and the beach i mean yes. I'm, I'm surprised we didn't get an episode of doof complaining about the noise coming from lard world given how close it is to his building <laughs> it's like right down the street <laughs> yeah apparently <laughs> maybe that's why i moved in with milo <laughs> maybe but we're getting way ahead of ourselves here um so today we're gonna go all the way back to 
actually first let's go back to a little bit before the first episode i remember when uh weird al posted that twitter um photo of all of the different animated characters that he's played and a certain character we all recognized immediately was in the center of that and we were all like wait a minute I don't think any of us were there for that. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. There yeah. I was I'm, there for that. I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I'm so wow, am sorry. I, am I the? Am I the? I wish okay, I was. I'm the old one here. All right, uh, but yeah, <laughs> a bunch of us at the time caught that and were like, "Wait a minute!" Because of course we're all Phineas and Ferb fans and Weird Al fans. Because come on, um, it just it, it felt like the two had to converge at some point and. Sure enough, they did, and we what we got did not disappoint. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, Weird Al never guest starred on Phineas and Ferb. That that was one thing I had said. Um, is I'm like Weird Al was one of the few celebrities that like never guest starred on Phineas and Ferb, and then he's the protagonist in the the not exactly spinoff of Phineas and Ferb, the, the show taking place in the same universe. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't guest star in uh, Take Two either, did he? No, he didn't. No. Man, Take Two was a wild one. I haven't seen a lot of it, but I've just seen a few episodes. It's, and... just, it's, it's really, really obviously cheap animation. Very. With live guest stars. It, it's different. It's definitely different. And it is kind of harder to combine animation with real life stuff in the first place. So, well, especially when you're doing it on a on on a budget of, uh, you know, pennies on the dollar compared to the actual show. Yeah. So going to the actual, um, going to the actual first episode. So going the extra mile slash the undergrounders, I think compared to roller coaster, they had so much clearer of an idea of who each of these characters were and how they were gonna how they were gonna be than uh, with Phineas and Ferb because Phineas and Ferb it feels like. And there's still a lot of good stuff in season one, but it feels like it took them a while to find their footing. Whereas with Milo, I think they had had so much more experience at this point. They they just, and, and the, the writers were all just already, you know, meshing together and just doing what they do best. And this is probably one of the best pilot episodes, I think. Not not maybe as good as like Tourist Trapped or the the hour-long DuckTales pilot but still very very good very strong pilot for the show yeah definitely I agree 100 percent um because like you said in Phineas and Ferb season it took about a whole season before they were able to discover okay exactly who these characters are how they acted um just peculiar things about them uh but like for Milo Murphy's Law and said it, it just took off right off the bat and um I just I that was one of the things I loved because it wasn't just the main characters too it was also the the side characters the background characters like Bradley and um and Mort and Amanda and I actually really love that about the first episode. I think one of the more interesting things about this as opposed to Phineas and Ferb's pilot is that Phineas and Ferb's had to establish the formula for what it was going to be and so I feel like that pilot it was it was funny, but it left you guessing as to how it was all going to come together in the end. This one instead takes a much more traditional approach where if you just take a basic look at the story, 
once Melissa starts her bet, you know that they have to make it back to school on time. And so the rest of the episode just becomes kind of a a board for them to throw jokes at and to let you get to know the characters because you're not you you know how it's going to end as soon as the bet is made. Right. Yeah, it, it seemed a lot more uh developing the characters based rather than the actual plot based, which is again like something that I really enjoyed about uh, the first two episodes or so. But as far as the jokes go, the comedic timing is just top notch. It is so good. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> And it also has those like much more uh, just, I think, emotional moments than Phineas and Ferb too. And the writing's just a tad sharper. Like, you know, I don't think anyone's ever called me tough. And then a couple seconds later, Melissa with no fanfare calls him tough as part of like an aside of another comment. And if you weren't paying attention, <laughs> you miss that. I love that. That's so sweet. But then there's also like the Zach and Milo in the sewer scene. I was just like, about to yes. Yeah. yeah oh my goodness. Scene. He's like, it, I don't yeah. think I can handle all of this. They took a bus to school today. A bus. You know, like it's just so. Even just the small things, you know, it's just a little bit of emotion everywhere. And I think Milo Murphy's Law as a show, one of the, the undertones, is the idea of living with a disability, and what does that look like? for A, how other people treat you, and B, how you view life as a person living with a disability, which I think is something that's not really talked about just because the show takes such a comedic approach, but I think it's really smart how the people around him are written and how they react to him. I agree 100%. It's, it's just <laughs> everything about it I guess it just works out or no not I guess I know it just works out really well um and I like another thing in the second episode the undergrounders um something that I really liked was it's it's such a minute detail but when they were in the the, the train car and they had gotten stuck underground um and they couldn't get out uh, Milo immediately took up on the chance to start putting up uh, posters and stuff to try to calm Zach down and make him feel better. And that was like, it just such a good foundation for friendship. It, it made me really happy. He, he's such a good friend. Mm -hmm. He's such just a, he, he's just the best friend you could possibly have. He'll always be there for you and have your back. Even if every, especially when everything is going wrong. Exactly. Because he Cause knows how to it. deal with that himself, and he wants to help other people. He wants to put that to good use. We, we don't see Sarah in this episode, but I really love the relationship that Milo and Sarah have, too. They have such a sweet brother-sister relationship, and it's great. I love that. I, I think there's a lot of... Milo Murphy's Law is just a very wholesome show in just almost every aspect, too. Like I think one of the things, and this comes later in the show, but there's an episode where they have this athlodecamathlon and there's an entire B plot of the episode just devoted to Milo's mom and dad as he tries to like prove to her that he won this trophy back from school in the day. And then it just ends with them watching their son win the competition and appreciating that he's their son. And it's, it's just so wholesome and sweet. And you just don't see that in so many other shows where there's like so much conflict. And kind of going back to our discussion on um, dude, we're getting the band back together. I love the, I love the parents in both Phineas and Ferb and in this. They're they're really really fun characters to have around, which is not something you normally get. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I was actually about uh, to say something about that is because um, they remind me in the sense of um, uh, Linda and um, oh dear, my brain just Lawrence, <laughs> Lawrence, right? My brain stopped working for a second. Linda and Lawrence, because <laughs> <I'm riffraff. laughs> uh, they remind me of Linda and Lawrence in the sense because um, they're both they just they're really well written parent characters because typically parents the thing that consumes their whole identity is being a parent but not in like the wholesome way that we're shown in the shows and stuff it's like it's just they're like they're only used I guess kind of in a sense for the the main characters to ask if they can go do something or just to give them uh, quick advice they're never really shown in a different light and I think um the way that the Duwampi verse handles it makes it I guess just so much more real and I, I love that about it it's a big step above the Peanuts verse where the parents aren't even visible. <laughs> you don't even know what they're saying. Yeah, you don't even know what they're saying. I think that kind of sums or up. Or the other kids. one, the other one that comes to mind is uh, the Harvey Street Kids universe. It's like I forget exactly what the setup was, but it was like I had this horrible nightmare that we all didn't have parents. Wow, that you know, imagine that. It's like because the whole the whole entire show we never see even a glimpse of their parents. The, the oldest characters we see are the the the, the teenagers and versus um like the duwampi verse uh, we actually see the parents all the time and it's it's just like even uh doofenshmirtz he, he's a great dad despite all yes. the stuff that he's gone through he's an amazing dad and i love that so much for him it is one of my like favorite things about him is the fact that despite all this stuff he's just such a great dad and he truly just wants the best for Vanessa also going back to the the dude we're getting the band back together episode where where Doof um goes out of his way to throw this whole party for Vanessa even though it's 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 definitely not the kind of party he wants at all but he just wants to do his best for her and I think that's really great I love that yeah (laughs) and um speaking of Bridget and Martin uh like in the later episodes like for example um the one where uh, Amanda and Milo compete in the baking competition uh I just it was so adorable seeing how much they supported him and all that stuff and how um Martin had originally tried to watch from uh his his tv but then the Doofenshmirtz accidentally zipped him there um but it ended up being fine (laughs) it ended up being fine and uh it just it's it's really sweet to see I guess them get involved with that kind of stuff and like you'll see oh sorry go ahead sorry you'll see um different parts in the series where Martin will be like oh I wanted to be somewhere else so there's not double on the Murphys I don't think that's even only one episode but that actually really that small detail really touched me like you know it's I know it it would be hard for a parent not to be with their kid and something big like that and just wanting what's best for them and you know thinking about it what what would be best for them and so even that small detail is so sweet definitely definitely and uh with martin actually my favorite or one of my favorite scenes i guess just at least comedy wise um is the scene where he's uh a big accident had happened outside 
and uh there's a a cop on the scene and he's like uh he's like he's like talking about how he like smelled or sensed a murphy and then he looked around for a second and then pointed at a chair next to a bakery <laughs> and was like murphy in the entire series <laughs> he was like murphy and then uh martin put down the newspaper and he started crying running away saying i just wanted a latte <laughs> <laughs> It's just, uh, there's just so many good moments in the show, and it really sucks that it's as underrated as it is. Um, And I just, it definitely deserves the world and better. I also love in, um, what was was the episode where we saw um, the the day Milo was born where um, Bridget's at home alone with Sarah and stuff starts going wrong. It's like, oh, your dad's not home. Well, I guess we're having a boy. That was first impressions. Oh. That was first really? impressions. Okay. Oh. No, wait. I think it was when Sarah was um having flashbacks or something. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't I was going to say that I think it might be um uh pies and secrets because I think what the scene led up to was I guess just uh Veronica, but again, I could be completely wrong. No, I don't um, think that no, it was you, Jonathan, you said it was first impressions? It's first impressions. It's first impressions. You just love, love hearing us try to figure out which episode it was, even though you already <laughs> said it. Um, we've gotten kind of really off track. <laughs> so the first episode of Milo, um, it's it's really good at setting up those relationships. I mean, you, you start with Zach, who it's his first day at a new school, and... He decides to talk to this one kid that everyone else is like, no, you shouldn't talk to him. And next thing you know, he's being chased down the street by a concrete drainage pipe with this kid who little does he know, but is is going to become one of his best friends in very short order. Because when you're around Milo Murphy, if you end up going on an adventure with him, you'll probably end up being good friends with him. It really helps that they had the series structure figured out here versus Phineas and Ferb's pilot. Because in Phineas and Ferb's, and they make fun of this later, it was a lot of extras. And, you know, Buford and Baljeet weren't there. Lots of random kids. And this one, the first scene where Melissa gets on the bus and they're they're taking bets, like Amanda's a part of the bet and Bradley's a part of the bet and Mort and Chad, like everybody's there. Morton yeah. Chad, who at least in theory are different characters. Who everybody <laughs> who's gonna be important later on. And so I think that's that adds so much more to the pilot because you can look back on it and say, Oh, I know so much more about these characters now. Oh who's the one girl that they end up getting stuck in the elevator with later? What was her name again? Lydia. 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 Yeah, Lydia's there. Voiced by Allison Stoner. Yes. Yeah, and she's Wait, in the really? back of the classroom. Yeah, yeah, she's in like the back of the classroom at the end. I noticed her. Dang. Dang. I did not know that. Allison Stoner voiced Chris and Lydia in the show. And I know Chris has her own separate fandom within the fandom. Nice. Or at yeah. least she did. I don't know. I, I came into Milo pretty late. I came in end of season one. So. Oh, I came in only uh, way later than that. <laughs> yeah, um, I only... came in in like August. So. <laughs> I came in in last February because a friend of mine had actually introduced it to me. And here's the thing about it, though. When um, he had shown it to me, I I started watching the first few episodes. and I was like, wait a minute. 
uh, I kind of remember this. And the reason why is because when it first came out and I still had cable, I did see it. I saw the first few episodes. And then I remember that time when it first came out, I was so excited to see it because I loved Phineas and Ferb and I knew Milo Murphy's Law was going to be good. And it was just, I guess, just like a nice little connection that's been like deep in my brain until I watched it again. Yeah, I had always just heard it was not as good as Phineas and Ferb. And so I didn't bother to check it out for a really oh long God. time until wow. I got the crossover. And I was like, well, I got to catch up. Yeah, when I heard there was a Phineas and Ferb crossover, I was like, that's it. I'm watching it. <laughs> like, I had heard that it was from the same creators. And like, I had seen it around Disney Channel because and Disney XD because I that's literally all I used to watch. Um but I was like, eh, you know, maybe later, maybe another time. But as soon as I heard that of that crossover, I was like, oh no, we're watching this right now. <laughs> Since the the um the airing schedule was so messed up because of Disney, didn't uh people then have to watch it in uh like dubbed languages? I remember the night it dropped in Japan and we were all yes. waiting to get the English audio track. It was amazing. Yes, that that was all uh See, I was with the show from the beginning because I'm like, you know, it's Dan and Swampy's new show. Of course, I got to watch it. And I, because like I've mentioned multiple times at this point before, I don't know cable. So um, when it was coming out, I had to buy every episode on Amazon Prime. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that was rough. You originally had the, you created the at Milo Murphy's Law. You you got that at, didn't you? Yes, which is not, uh, I, I think I, I think that ended up going to no context Milo Murphy when I decided to retire it because I'm like, I don't, uh, there, there, there was a better account at the time that was actually active that I wasn't. <laughs> and now I don't think that account is active anymore. So yay. The Milo fandom has had many iterations. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that it makes a, a, I mean, it seems like it's built up a lot of steam recently, so that's good. Yeah, definitely. And even um, a few months ago when it had said it was like 70% uh, higher than other children's animation shows, like uh, for demand, uh, only a few weeks ago, it had reached up to 80. So it moved up 10%. And that just, yeah that uh that actually made me really happy and i was so I shocked mean, to see that of all the underdog stories i think if any show could come back from the dead because it did well on disney plus that would be milo it really could and that honestly, seems like the kind of thing mm-hmm. that would happen honestly i could see them doing a milo 45 minute special of yeah sort. i don't think it'll For come sure. back as a full series they're not going to order another season because it wouldn't be worth it especially not a, thir- a, a 20 episode season but i think to gauge interest they could do a special. Doing another special, maybe with Phineas and Ferb in it to cross promote it, I think yeah, would be a special. I'd be movie. I'd be happy with that. Hey, they could do the second Star Wars special. That would be oh. three things converging that people like. Hey, wait, if they do that though, I think they need to make Cavendish and Dakota R2D2 and C3PO because they yes. have the exact yes. same dynamic. And <laughs> like literally the exact same. Uh R2 would of course be Dakota Dakota and uh c3po would definitely be cavendish <laughs> uh because not only is he stressed all the time but he, he's you know british <laughs> yeah well what i've always thought with that is if they did it with phineas and ferb and milo they could have it be where 
the force is not only not with milo but it is actively working against him and that's the star wars universe's version of murphy's law he's gonna be a great jedi i think it'll be interesting to see how dan decides to incorporate the milo characters in hamster and gretel because i'm pretty sure they're not going to try and build up to a crossover again i'm guessing it'll be sprinkled throughout um just not even calling attention to it so that's jeremy's cameo in milo something i know that people have discussed uh before is in the past is um Cavendish and Dakota on some type of mission and since and it's because uh Hampton Gretel is going to take place in a different city um they're on a mission and all of a sudden they just kind of come across hamster and it would just be Dakota like hey what's the hamster doing and Cavendish is just like why do you care and it's like well I don't know it's an animal and, and it, I don't know it's something something far more brilliant than that but it would just that would be a great I think it'd be really funny and kind of unexpected but I okay. really do hope. Oh, go oh, ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say that I, re- like you said, I really do hope that they uh, incorporate uh, like little things sprinkled throughout. I was just gonna say, I wonder if they've come up with a B plot for Hamster and Gretel, like, because the whole reason they yeah. came up with Cavendish and Dakota for Milo was because they wanted to have something to cut to, because they were lazy writing. So I'm like, <laughs> I wonder. I wonder what they've come up with for hamster and gretel if anything it it certainly does help move the story along when you have two different plots to service and that's kind of like a jumpy verse thing yeah i think the strongest episodes are ones that cut between stuff just because that's how they write best i mean even going the extra milo i mean they start together but then you split up into milo zach and then melissa and the rest of the kids and that makes for a really strong cutting back and forth right so I want to kind of go through just the list of mayhem really quick. Uh, so there's the drainage pipe and they fall into the mud and then they run back to the bus stop and the bus leaves them. And so then they go, um, they head towards the rock quarry, but there's an oil spill. And then the, the, the bird that grabbed the map previously caught it on a power line the the map falls and the oil immediately ignites and that that gives us of course that one shot where you know everything is on fire which i love that i love that shot um (laughs) whoa destruction down then we have uh well this is this one isn't really destruction but they run through the woods which were named after peter coyote who donated all the land of the city as a wolf preserve you get how that's not better right (laughs) (laughs) i love that line i love and then there and then just a a few lines later or really by lines i mean screaming there's don't worry wolves love peanut butter and then it gets onto zach's back (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i love and he throws it onto a tree yeah i love that in the the remake of the pilot for season two snow way out they they're running away he's like how about coyote woods and zach's like nope been there done that no way and he's like how about incurable snake bite woods i forgot about that and then there's the easy to get lost and die in woods and so that <laughs> that just that just becomes a running joke throughout the series is the name of the danville woods 
that begs the question of whether it's actually gotten that name because of its reputation or if it's because uh, there were people with those last names. <laughs> the answer is yes. Jack Incurable State Bite. <laughs> no, exactly. Incurable. It, well, it's either Jungle Cruise rules or um and or the incredible stink bite woods actually have like it's actually like scorpions or whatever. Oh dear, that would not be fun. Mm, there's there's a fun. lot of there's a lot of scorpions where I live. Actually, and, you know, snakes too, but you don't see them as much. And I love how um they they climb the tree and I was like, you know, wolves don't kill that many people. Bees are responsible for my, for way more fatalities than wolves. There's a bee hey, look over. Right next to them. It's like he asked for that. Why is that wolf wearing a turban? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, then um, they they uh, make their way out of the woods, and the beehive gets launched. Behind the fence, it lands on the wolf. The wolf breaks through, and then, of course, the wolf starts chasing them, which, yes, leads us to the immortal line. Why is that wolf wearing a turban? And it's funny because it's like, you're not really sure if the wolf is chasing them because it's even trying to chase them or just because it's in severe pain and doesn't know where it's actually going. Literally, it's just, it, it it could actually be after them or at least trying its best, or it could just be completely unaware. Yeah, because it's it's constantly smashing into things, so. (laughs) Yeah, because it can't see, and it's also like, I'm like, if this was in live action, this would be really hard to watch. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it's animated, so we're all good. It would definitely feel much more intense in live action, I feel like. (laughs) Oh, the other thing, of course, that's established in this episode that uh, they established so that it can immediately come back in the next episode is, of course, D.O.G., Who's kind of like yes. the the he al- he always knows the way home. He always knows the way home. He is the uh, compass, as you will. <laughs> yes. And he doesn't want to stay home because he wants to follow Milo because he's he he loves his his he loves his boy. That Yoji does. Yes, he is a good dog. He is a good dog. <laughs> they end up in the sewer and then they come out through uh construction site and then the construction site and honestly uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't blame the construction site mishap on milo that was not his fault that was because they turned Mm -mm. the water back on and then realized as they were turning back on oh we're missing a large section of drainage pipe (laughs) which brings everything full circle and i'm like the that would be like if you restarted a roller coaster and then realized as you were restarting it, hey, you know, we're missing a section of track, right? <laughs> like in don't, uh, don't, for, don't forget they're missing one of the <laughs> don't they're forget they're missing one of the bungees that they used to yeah. heavy stuff down <laughs> heavy stuff down with. I can't help but wonder what the actual name for that would be, or if it, it or if it just has to be that long of a sentence to refer to it. <laughs> I've always called it that ever since I've seen that episode. I don't <laughs> think too. it's come up a lot, but when it does. <laughs> Heavy duty bungee cable that they use to tie stuff down on construction sites. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you mentioned the the sewer scene and, you know, the raccoon that jumps down. I like, I like to imagine that was actually um, a <laughs> reoccurring <laughs> raccoon. An ordinary raccoon fell into a vat of toxic waste and became recurring raccoon. 
Yeah, I think I think that's weird because they brought two new writers on for season two, and I'm pretty sure they watched all of season one beforehand, obviously, so they could get a sense of what they're getting into. And one of the things they noticed is the raccoon from the pilot comes back in the season finale, Fungus Among Us. And so they thought, well, he already appeared twice. What if we include him more? And I think there's there's so many callbacks to the pilot throughout the series, just in the season two finale, he uses a bungee that also snaps um, as like a kind of a nice throwback. And so having a good knowledge of this pilot episode, I feel like is essential to enjoying the series. Yeah. And then there's uh, the one scene that's like, you've seen him before, you've seen, you, <laughs> uh, you're going to see him soon. And then he, and then it just goes, or maybe not, because oh, yeah, uh, I think the, not. the bear attacks him. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think he might've ended up being okay though. Yeah. When I, I first watched that series, Recurring Raccoon was my favorite character. Bringing up that that bear really quick. Uh, that that <laughs> I know I know this isn't that episode, but that song. That's uh, okay. Where, where the bear is searching for Milo. That's like okay. That's one of the only songs that I have like saved everywhere because I used to listen to it. I don't know why, but I was obsessed with it, and it was so freaking funny to me. So yeah, that's just my blood. crazy taste for you, but. I love that, that song. one song. <laughs> it fits the lyric. Um, if you find him, there's gonna be blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The they just they just they just threw it into a children's cartoon. Here we go. <laughs> That's like I'm like that will always stick with me that they did that. I mean, it, it's it's not really any worse than uh than a certain scene in Gravity Falls I can think of, but or, it still is pretty dark for uh for a Disney show. Or really any worse than So you than started life as a grizzly bear and then the government hijacked your mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it's really not. That's the kind of stuff that this show has. It's just like, it's it's so good. It's really not any worse than uh, Cavendish and Dakota's like whole uh, Island of Dakota plotline though. Oh because yeah, you have true. Where, whole where montage. dying. <laughs> God, <laughs> I, can't I can't believe, believe they, they got away with that. that. I still just can't mm-hmm. believe they got away with that. I feel like it's because even though it's a really tragic thing, they played it off as like a joke with like the goofy music and stuff in the background. But oh my god, it's just it's 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 wild. <laughs> I mean, there's more pathos in um, that episode than in Final Destinations three and four combined. That's another one I don't think any any of us have seen those. Because <laughs> the, the, the first one and the second one sort of tried to actually like make you care about the characters. But then by the time you get to three and especially four, it's like these are just cartoon characters we're setting up to get killed gruesomely. It's like an itchy and scratchy cartoon. Oh. It's the whole thing, if, you, if you've never seen Final Destination, the whole thing with the series is that someone has a detailed premonition of a horrible accident that's going to get them all killed and um, is able to successfully get enough people away from the accident that now there's a whole group of survivors. So like um, the first one, it's a plane exploding. The second one, it's a horrific pileup on 
um the interstate the third one is a roller coaster the fourth one is a racetrack and the fifth one is a bridge collapse oh goodness yeah and honestly it's like it's like if you did this as a cartoon you got rid of the horror element this is literally just milo murphy's law because it's like all of this rube goldberg nonsense oh my goodness it's it's mm-hmm. and, and again like i said the third and fourth one especially it's like they just kept finding new and exciting ways to kill people in these <laughs> movies but it doesn't look good it's like it, a lot of the effects in um four especially look very digital but they haven't made a new one in a while because they're kind of expensive to make for horror movies compared to a lot of the other stuff that's coming out these days that's a lot cheaper to make and a lot more scary i would say but back back to milo itself <laughs> so yeah we got the construction site stuff and then um bradley's like oh man they're gonna beat us to school never mind there they go <laughs> and they try to climb up onto the bridge and the wolf jumps at them so that makes me think that the wolf was following them. Yeah. Probably DOG that. comes to the rescue. And yeah. DOG to the rescue. Yes, DOG saves them. Super DOG. He becomes a hamster's crime fighting partner. Yes. <laughs> and then... I need that. <laughs> so thinking about this, I'm like, okay, so... Can somebody explain the geography of Danville to me? Because I don't understand... I, I like to just imagine it, I guess, as like kind of like a valley of cities, but I guess it's just instead of like several different ones, it's just one big one called Danville. But, it's... but they were but they were in a river. And that, was there a waterfall nearby this river? There must be because it's like otherwise, how would they get thrown off a cliff like that? Maybe that's the, the waterfall the they're hanging south. off of in uh, the llama incident. I'm sure I'm sure some fans have tried to put together maps, but I mean, you got Cliffside Park in Phineas and Ferb, and then in the Agent D.O.G. episode, he's like, why is this, why is there a waterfall in the middle of this park? So, you know, you know parks, parks with cliffs just exist in Danville. That's just a thing. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> like, who, who's designing the geography of this town? I mean, Bridget has that dirt bike track yeah. Right, right underneath this giant circus amphitheater. <laughs> yeah. The geography is just one big blob. <laughs> it's whatever, it's just, it's whatever it can be. And it will. Good luck with your directions. That, that map was actually meaningless, by the way. <laughs> Paper map, old school. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the aliens that, kidnap zach and milo they're, they show up later they're, they, yeah. they do show up later but they're very simple compared to the other aliens that we've seen before and since obviously i think the thing that we learned from the aliens is that dan and swampy clearly do not have alex hirsch's writing philosophy where uh you never do aliens unless you're at the end of your show because once you've done aliens you can't go any further Dan, Swamp, Dan and Swampy are just like, we're putting them in the first episode. Yeah, but I mean, they don't really do anything, so. It's yeah, true. I think they were just kind of simplistic, quick ones, just because uh, they were Okay, what's the craziest way this chain of events could end? Yeah. Aliens. 
let's do that <laughs> i love that scene and we haven't talked about this yet but um yeah he says i realize you guys like maybe they're out of town but maybe they're from I, out of town and they don't know they're inconveniencing us and then zach asks right they really need to get to school they're like <laughs> okay <laughs> Unlike the Octalians who just kind of kidnapped Milo. But I mean, they had a reason, but that was not the, the thing to do. Nah. You go and ask like, hey, we need your help. Who's just going to add on to the, the drama factor, I guess. Yeah. What, what fun is an alien abduction if it's planned? <laughs> yeah. And, and speaking of Bob Block... He he knows about all uh, authorized alien abductions apparently, but he did. He, but he didn't know about Milo's. So either like uh, like one of Jonathan's videos actually had said uh, it's either a complete sham or um, it's just he he really doesn't know too much of what he's doing. I mean, there is literally nobody in that office, and we know it's not because of COVID yet. <laughs> I, I appreciate Josh saying in the interview, he's like, yeah, there was some thought at the writers at one point of like him being an alien, but we just never did anything with it. And I'm like, because dude, that's, that's one of those where it's like, okay, but we've already got, it's, 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 it gets to the point where it's like, you do alien so much. It's like, okay, so who isn't an alien? And th this this is a little bit off topic, but going into Milo season two, there is such a disconnect from season Milo season two A and season two B to the point where like Bob Block appears one time in season two B. Like he's, you know, in almost every episode in season two A. And then like, cause they, they there's like even little alien episodes. And then like season two B is just like, who are Cavendish and Dakota? doof is here and but somehow the episodes are also more consistently good in season two b i don't understand milo season two messes with my brain we'll get there eventually <laughs> um but then of course the whole thing ends with like you said it kind of ends how you, how it has to end where they end up getting there just in the nick of time and everyone gives their lunch to milo and zach for everything that oh, everything that to was the bad. Look, what? a vitamin C tablet. It's cold. Oh, it's cold C tablet. season. <laughs> you know, I kind of, I kind of reanimated. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kate. That sorry, I was just saying that scene makes me think of reanimated. <laughs> the, the interesting thing about scene. that. The interesting thing about that, though, is like I assumed like the beginning, the first day of school is like somewhere from like October to September. But he says it's cold and flu season where at least where I am, that's not really until like December to February. The fact that both Bradley and Milo said that, I kind of hope that there would be maybe kind of a, a <laughs> development of a bit of a friendship between Milo and Bradley going from um, Bradley not liking Milo to him kind of understanding and appreciating where uh, what, what he has to deal with, but no, we never really got that. I was what actually was the, gonna. Oh, or, go ahead. Oh, it's just. Uh, I was actually thinking though that okay, if it's like September and it's cold and flu season, would it, I mean, 
knowing Milo, probably every month is cold and flu season, especially for the him and the people around him because of Murphy's Law. I, I was going to say one of the more interesting aspects of the pilot is that both Bradley and Milo get to say the cold and flu season line, which is interesting because in development, Bradley was meant to be like Milo's inverse where everything went well for him, but he just viewed the world with a very cynical, negative attitude. And so <laughs> that that was slowly dropped as the show went along and he just kind of just became more of the sarcastic Murphy's Law cynic. And I guess Elliot took a bit more of the oppositional role than Bradley was going to take initially. But it's interesting have... that both Milo and Bradley have that line about the vitamin C tablets, kind of drawing that parallel between them. That's why I kind of hope they would do more with them, and they just never, and they just never did. It ended up, you're right, being more about. Um, they, they focused way more on Elliot. I actually would have really loved if uh, they had done what you were describing about uh, between. Uh, Bradley and Milo because that would have been like even better than what's like already existent yeah I, I just I like I mm-hmm. really like the symbolism of just I guess like opposites I guess um and if you've uh, just literally just seen uh, my Twitter feed lately it's because I'm consistently talking about the flash and the reverse flash so it's like it's just it's just kind of the, one of those tropes that I like I guess <laughs> Well, and instead of that, we got um, Bradley having a plant arm because reason. <laughs> because we we, we don't know what else to do with this character plans. at this point, so we're just going to give him this random quirk. Why not? I need to do a Milo Murphy's Law Villains tier list and put Bradley and Elliot on it. <laughs> put Bradley yeah. all the way at, like, D tier, all the way at the bottom. Fairly oppositional to Milo. <laughs> Just wants a snickerdoodle cookie. <laughs> I mean, I don't and blame him. Those don't are... forget about his one true love. Carla! 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 <laughs> My favorite is the early promotional material that describes the characters. And you, you get the character description for Bradley. And it's like, Bradley it's it like it goes into Bradley's jealous that Melissa spends more time with Milo than with him because he has a crush on her and like you can definitely see that in the first few episodes but it's never something that they ever explore in detail of any kind so I think it's just so funny that it's on like the character pages when the show came (laughs) I wish they did that'd have been cool and like the the funny thing about that though is uh it's like you said it wasn't developed on and in the end Zach ended up I guess uh being the love interest for Melissa and so now I imagine that like if it's still a thing that's there but just still like just wasn't touched up on then now Bradley's jealousy is like moved over to Zach instead (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's so it's so funny like little lines like in the the egg drop episode where he's like melissa come and join our team i named it team melissa not after you <laughs> different melissa <laughs> she goes to another school you don't know her <laughs> i love bradley bradley is definitely in my top five favorite he's so funny and of course he's voiced by vincent martella of so. course <laughs> which means i'm it expecting him so to dye his hair blue any second 
And uh, in the Undergrounders episode, he was at like at the very end. He's like, interesting tidbit about uh, <laughs> Rhinosaurus ribs. I was like, and then he gets cut off. And since I like dinosaurs a lot, I was rewatching it, and I was like, no, tell me, what's the interesting tidbit? <laughs> interesting tidbit about the Museum of Natural History <laughs> gets cut off. Fossils. Da, da, da. <laughs> Hey everyone. So obviously this past year has been an absolute train wreck for everyone. For a while my mom had been able to work from home, but she was laid off from her job at the end of October, and it's been really, really tough for her to find a job in her field. She was recently accepted into an MBA program so that she can actually get her master's degree, and was expecting to be able to pay for the whole thing, but then the tax refund she was counting on was unexpectedly withheld, so she set up a GoFundMe to help pay for it. If you can help out, that would be absolutely amazing, and even if you can't donate, if you could just share it, that would be a huge help. Just search for Malia Desrochers on GoFundMe. Long ago, in a faraway land, there was a prosperous studio run by a middle-aged CEO. In an era of princesses and flashy musical numbers, the studio decided to go in a different direction, and thus their most unique creation was born, and they called it The Emperor's New Groove. But The Emperor's New Groove is more than just one movie. There's an entire expanded Grooviverse out there, and I intend to explore it all on The Emperor's New Podcast. Hi, I'm Micah Hirsch, and I'll be your host on this whimsical journey as I'm joined by special guests to discuss every corner of this underrated franchise, from movies to television to theme parks. You can hear all about it on The Emperor's New Podcast, available on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Be sure to stop by and give it a listen, and remember... Beware the groove! So moving on to the undergrounders. The five-eared one shall be our leader! I remember doing Scott impressions at one point, and people, and that was one of the things I said. That was one of the things that I said. Scott is so great. We did not know how far this plot would be taken, and I think there is (laughs) a, a larger discussion to be had about how Milo Murphy's Law explores humans' relationships with inanimate objects in a romantic fashion. I think there's a thesis paper in there somewhere. But that's not what happens in this episode just yet. (laughs) No, we don't get to meet uh, Mildred. God. One of my uh, favorite Scott lines, though, would be um, uh, is in season two, he, like, pops out of the sewer like he would, and he goes, dead rat for your thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and and then it just you know cavendish was cavendish's response was scott and it just it it it's such a small interaction but it was so funny to me for some reason it just in the thing about scott too is that despite you know you'd assume he's been living uh on the surface world or whatever uh his whole life until he got trapped underground but he just lost like all complete like I guess things that he has learned socially and it's just it's funny to me we can all agree he'll never be the height of fashion (laughs) (laughs) just let him wear his banana tie um so the episode starts out with 
uh, Milo and the rest of his class going on a field trip to the Museum of Natural History. And of course, they take the subway because I, I guess who needs buses, right? You know, it's not like it's not like the whole um, it's not like the whole first episode that we just talked about had the kids on a bus the whole time. No, they're going to take the subway. <laughs> uh, so they're taking the subway and uh, unsurprisingly, the car that only Zach, Melissa, and Milo are in ends up getting detached from the rest of them and they end up going off on, you know, their own adventure down the abandoned part of the subway that every subway in every animated show ever apparently has. <laughs> I think this is another thing that kind of disappeared from the show later on, but one of Melissa's primary character traits was her forgetfulness. And I remember this yes. line about that at oh, the yeah. beginning of this episode. And the writers just kind of forget that that's a character trait of her. <laughs> so that kind of makes sense. <laughs> You know what? Based off her other characteristics, though, I like to think that she's probably one of those people who is very stressed and on top of stuff, but not until last minute. And I think the only time that uh, when something was touched up again about her forgetting stuff was when she left her, it was either her notebook or backpack at school. And so they had to go back and get it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. She just she seems like one of those people. And I honestly don't blame her because I'm one of those people, too. That's a mood. I feel that. It makes sense why she has that secret room to try to remember all the stuff because she's not going to keep that all in her head. I will say the 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 whole thing that she does in the in uh, going the extra mile where uh, she's kind of taking bets that never happens again. Yeah, she she takes bets with Zach. Oh yeah, Zach that's there. right. Usually about think- stuff with Milo. <clears throat> And I think again, it happens in Snow Day, and because it's basically the like same repeat of the first episode, just in the winter. It's yeah, like poetry. It rhymes. You had me at <laughs> loser shovels the winter's driveway. <laughs> <laughs> but so they they meet the undergrounders, and um, they find out that the undergrounders have their whole own kind of underground civilization with licorice somehow. And also rudimentary art, government, etc. And definitely real chicken. Definitely real yeah. chicken. It's it's just about as good as the the new crispy chicken from McDonald's. I was just about to say McDonald's. Yeah, their chicken's not very good. I can, I I feel comfortable dissing them. <laughs> I don't think anyone's <laughs> gonna argue with me on that. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't want to diss a chicken place that people like actually like. Yeah. I will that say I was very disappointed by um, KFC's chicken sandwich. I expected so much better. Honestly, you can diss any chicken place. I don't like Chick Fil A, so fair enough. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't like Chick Fil A. No, um, I like Popeye's chicken sandwich. Their spicy one is really good. Yeah, Popeye's is good. Popeye's yeah. is good. Um, but I think my favorite one I've had is still from Top Golf or. Um, Big Storm Brewing had a good Nashville hot chicken one. That's why I was like, I was disappointed by KFC. I'm like, you guys should have Nashville hot chicken in the bag, but you don't. Anyway. Because I like Nashville hot chicken. Um, but they find Dioji down there. And it's like, wait a minute. Dioji always knows the way home. Dioji, go home. And they follow him. And everyone's really excited to 
actually possibly have a way out because the undergrounders as it turns out have only been stuck down there for a month uh, even though it sounds like much longer according to scott <laughs> they call it's us just the a... balonies no we voted <laughs> on this balonies sounds like a lunch meat or the undergrounders <laughs> the one he got was subterraneous that was it though yes he just wanted it so bad <laughs> he wanted it so bad i wore them down um uh, <laughs> they they find their way oh and the other thing um i forgot to mention is as the subway uh right after the subway had crashed we kind of mentioned this earlier um zach has this whole thing where he's kind of freaking out because he's claustrophobic oh yeah and so milo does the thing where he puts up the posters and breaks out the I don't accordion. know if that's a full accordion or what that instrument was. And tap dances for him. He tap dances. <laughs> I think we're out of order. I think that happens before they meet the end. Yeah, I was just saying yeah, I forgot to bring that up. Yeah, one um, of, one of the, the things that is interesting is that this originally wasn't intended to be paired with going the extra Milo. I think this and rooting for the enemy were supposed to be swapped. So... Oh. There's this line in it about think of all the stuff that you've done just since we've met. Like we escaped wolves and bees and uh, aliens. And it's trying to make it sound like they've had so many adventures so far, but it's literally the second episode. And we, I think we've been on so many adventures. This is the second day we've met. And ha- haven't <laughs> we had a bunch of adventures already? I think I, I just think it's interesting that Disney decided to switch it at the very last second because it was originally supposed to be either going the extra Milo and Sunnyside Up or going the extra Milo and rooting for the enemy. I remember Undergrounders was one of the first episodes we had heard about, other than obviously just the pilot. Yeah, there was good concept art done for it by Kyle Mankey, which recently resurfaced. Yeah um but yeah so then um uh, like i said Dioji um is leading them out and milo and melissa get trapped under rubble and um it ends up being in such a perfect condition that um zach has to um crawl in through an opening to um to shimmy the rock out and have them come out so it's like it fell in such a way that it was still pretty easy for them to get out. It just, just in the perfect way to, to test Zach with his fear, which is why um, later on in um, Murphy's Lard, they, they just did the thing with the fish because it's like, oh, we kind of already did Zach conquering his fear of claustropho- claustrophobia, even though he, he could still have a problem with it. Fish honestly freaked me out too. I me too. I was just about to say that. I share that fear with him. Like I'm terrified of the ocean, like mostly because you just can't see what's in there. So like even if it's just a fish that touches me, I don't care. It feels all slimy, you know, like Zach has literally described. Never get out of the boat. Absolutely right. (laughs) Um but yeah, luckily Zach is able to rescue them right before they are comically crushed by all of the rocks falling. Almost. And this is kind of what I was talking about with Final Destination earlier. It's like that's the kind of stuff that that would happen. With just it being very over the top and ridiculous. Um, and 
Wouldn't you know a DOG found an abandoned subway car? <laughs> Good boy, DOG. Good boy, DOG. We need to wrap this episode up. <laughs> My question, though, is that did he get here in the first place by the subway car or did he use a different route? He probably use a different route. I don't know. I because think the way they finally the end up getting out after some improbable flips landing perfectly on another rail, which again, how the hell does that work? <laughs> magic. Because it's like, magic. okay, so it's Murphy's Law, except for when the, the subway car needs to land perfectly on a track and not somehow destroy all the wheels in the process. And still have enough momentum to crash through the wall of the Natural History Museum. Oh, the other, um, the other just kind of random joke that's going on with um, Bradley and um, Mort is uh, Bradley's kind of just going on about how he's, you know, Milo's going to come back and everyone's going to be all, you know, all over Milo. And then he's like, Mort, <laughs> do you really need more rose quartz? And Ward says something about like <laughs> Ward says something about like if you understood its properties, you wouldn't be asking me that question. I'm like, I'm gonna guess that was a Steven Universe reference. Uh no, it's it was actually uh because uh he's like a spiritual jock, which is actually something that I like I just love about that idea. Um okay. but no uh crystals and stuff, they're generally used because they bring uh like the certain energies to a room and stuff like that. And I think rose quartz might actually one of their uh or leaves might be uh just stress relief and focus so <laughs> and that, did this ever come back up again or is it was it literally just a throwaway gag in this one episode he mentions his chakras twice but that's about it that i can remember at least right now okay he's he's often seen in like i think in in a couple episodes he's seen like meditating yeah <laughs> okay oh yeah uh, yeah yeah. so that's kind of you know that, that's kind of what we were um talking about earlier where it's like you know even the the side characters are more developed than any of the extras in um in phineas and fervor at the beginning yeah and one of the few characters that even were in phineas and ferb was Django, but then he didn't really have any role afterwards um because Django, of course is named for Django marsh yeah who yeah. ended up later later playing um ball pit kid and is now on um pete the cat which is that show that zombie makes for amazon prime i didn't know uh Django was a part of it yeah. i knew swampy was but that's actually really cool yeah i've been to where they actually make pete the cat oh dang yes um because uh, my, my buddy dave and i um when I met up with him um, at his studio, which was cool. If I ever got the chance to meet Swampy, that would actually be like a, an amazing day. <laughs> it was, it was uh, so cool. It was a cool day. Oh, yeah. Plug the episode of the podcast with Swampy. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, I've already mentioned that a couple of times. That was a great episode. I'm so, so glad we got to do that. I I think I think whenever I have him back, it's probably going to be for like something like My Fair Goalie or one of the episodes he directed. I think I think my Fergoli especially would be a good one because Swampy is very much an Anglophile. I thought you were from Wisconsin. <laughs> and then it was just actually speaking of uh, my Fergoli, just like all of, um, the 
the Danville kids coming up and being like, here, here's, here, Ferb, here's like all these different uh, American things. It was just, it was really funny to me. Cause I think one of them was like, here's your bald eagle. And yes, <laughs> I just, I, I love that. It, it's again, just some of the good process of Dan and Swampy's mind. <laughs> Strangely weak Doofenshmirtz plot for a 22 minute episode though. I mean, he, him being sick is funny, but I don't think it's top tier doof. Yeah, I think it's because the main story is just with the kids and with uh, with Linda and Lawrence, actually. And of course, with Candace. That's true. Yeah. So you already have yeah. three plots there. Yeah, there's so a lot of this, it's like That's one of those where it's like, you need to check in on doof because you can't really have an episode without doof for some reason. You, yeah. know, right. you, you really can, but they, 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 They've done a couple episodes where Phineas and Ferb never show up, but nope, a doof has to be in every episode, apparently. Including Milo Murphy's Law. Except for yeah. TV, <laughs> except for the end credits. I just think the funniest thing is that um, there's the bully bromance breakup just doesn't have Candace. No explanation. It's not a special episode. It's just, just no Candace. Really? Yeah, bully romance. Oh, yeah, right. oh my gosh, you're right. He's in that episode. Has no. What is Candace doing? I don't care. <laughs> I, I guess. If, I never I guess if, that. Well, I guess if Doof is working with Buford, then there's the, then the and the whole thing is that they're separated. Then Doof's thing can't get rid of whatever Phineas and Ferb were working on until that's resolved. I don't know. It's a really yeah. weird episode. That I think that is a weird one. Um, but it's also a, a. It also has one of the best songs in the entire series. And also one of my favorite uh, moments, Ice Chalet. Ice Chalet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does definitely has one of the the best songs. <laughs> um. So, yeah, they cr- they the subway crashes into. The Natural History Museum, and um, Bradley gets stuck in a pair of uh, ribs. <laughs> he gets stuck in some dinosaur ribs. That's classic Bradley. Yeah, classic Bradley. Classic Bradley. Why do we never see Bradley. the teacher? In this? We we never see the teacher in this episode again. I just realized that. Or yeah, she instead does, of she does the head count. Like she, 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 she was like, head like count. she's like fifteen, sixteen or whatever it is and like can you read my writing and then she comes back at the end and she's like oh yeah i guess it was an eight maybe she was like school board for gross incompetence or she was just like a a, like one of the parent volunteers that like go on field trips and stuff with their kids oh yeah yeah i guess she could not have been is she in the title sequence with mrs murowski she is yeah so she never shows up again oh oh wait yeah there must have been a plan for her to be like maybe they originally would have switched between the science class and, and her class then but then it just never happened i mean it's the problem that happens in a lot of uh a lot of shows in general where it's like and it makes more sense for shows with kids in grade school obviously because you usually are with the same teacher all day but like you know you got high school and middle school kids who are like seeing the same teacher every day it's like they not move classes not every I, I day, think, but like every every time we see them, it's like, but th- th- this is these are different subjects. I think when they actually sat down to write it, they found the principal to be a much more interesting character than the other teacher. 
because seeing how a principal of a school would deal with Milo was more interesting than just another teacher. So I think all of her screen time went to Mrs. Morosky. Yeah, then we got Mrs. Morosky, who has the thing with the desk. Or did I say Mrs. Morosky? I meant Principal Milder. Oh, yeah. My brains. Oh, yeah. Yeah, So we got the principal, and then we got the the teacher with the thing for her desk. That was... I I still just question why they decided to put that in there. I want to know what... I, 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 on one hand, I want to know the writer responsible, but on the other hand, I don't know if I do. Yeah, because it seems to be like a really reoccurring theme, and I don't know why it exists, like especially the, the Mildred one, um, but it just, I don't know. It, like it's, you it's said, a Jonathan, I think, there is a, I think there is a thesis here somewhere, but I'm not touching that. Dan, Dan <laughs> said that the desk thing was based off an actual teacher that he had in school. Oh my um, god! Oh, of course. And he recently posted on TikTok that one teacher killed another in the room next to his class when he what? was. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! He just he just made a TikTok about that. So you know, Dan's Dan's grade school experience largely impacts the stories he chooses to tell with Milo. Just murder, okay. God, that's, oh my goodness. I can't, I can't even imagine that. That's, wow. I thought the story of Rebecca Parham's communications teacher was wild. Yeah, apparently Dan's, the killing was over some sort of love triangle between the teachers. Oh God, it was at the school? It It was at the school during school hours. Oh God. Oh my goodness. Back on topic. uh, Is there anything else we have to say about this this episode? (laughs) I think it Uh, ended with Bradley being stuck in a ribcage. And and Scott returning to Subterranus. And one of the other guys being like, oh, I gotta go get caught up on Dr. Zone. And then uh, Milo tries spoiling him. Oh, so you didn't no see spoilers. the part where the trash can? Yep. <laughs> no, spoilers. no spoilers. No spoilers. I still haven't watched Falcon of the Winter Soldier yet. <laughs> but you finally caught up on DuckTales, right? Yes. <laughs> Hell yes. Oh, gosh. oh my gosh. It's so good. I'm still in pain over it's the ending. The... Mm. the end credit scene was just so adorable. I watched that scene. Okay. It's not funny how many times I've watched that end credit scene. It probably took over my life for like at least a solid day. I was just sitting there watching it on repeat. It's not good. <laughs> well, if only there was new DuckTales content coming out. Oh, wait, there is. The podcast. And something else. Hmm? The World Showcase Adventure. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Wait, so what's, fun I haven't fact. heard of that. Fun fact, the only reason that I didn't watch DuckTales until I did, which was like, I don't know, like last December, um, was because of that. And I was so mad that they were replacing the Perry thing with that. So I took out my rage on not watching DuckTales. Aww. <laughs> Aww. Uh, my thing is, it's... It's th- that attraction has been passed from great show to great show to great show. So I'm I can't complain about it. I just feel like all three of them, Kim Possible, Phineas and Ferb, and DuckTales deserve a permanent attraction at Disney World somewhere. 
Maybe we can get a large world-themed ride at Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that, that should be the Disneyland forward expansion. Tell Anaheim we need to make large world a reality. <laughs> they turned yes. they turned the they turned the scream uh or i think it at least used to be called scream uh at california adventure into grease thunder california screaming gets turned into grease thunder <laughs> or or they could turn scream at magic mountain into that i mean that would certainly make it smoother now before we go there was one other thing i wanted to talk about and that is the fact that somebody here remade this episode recently and that somebody was jonathan yeah, so I organized a project starting in last September, I think, and I just put out the call on my channel for animators to reanimate the pilot episode of Milo Murphy's Law, and lo and behold, uh, a measly seven or eight months later, it's all done, and I think it looks pretty cool. I had so many friends who had uh, become like a part of it, and I and I honestly wanted to be a part of it too, but I didn't have really any animation examples because it's such a tedious process that I can never stay in like long enough to get something done completely. So then it just looks like a very rough storyboard. But I'm I just I love everybody's part who did it because it it looks great. There's so much weird stuff. There's so much passion. There's a part where it's just like stop motion with literal frog stuffed animals. <laughs> yes. There's a part where somebody just like took JPEGs of Milo and Zach and just <laughs> animated them. And then there's some absolutely gorgeous animation that looks better than the show itself. It is yeah. a wild trip. That's what's fun well, about reanimated projects is you get stuff from literally all over the map. Like the other one that was really fun was the the Shrek retold one. That was that was a lot of fun. And this had a lot of the same just chaotic energy and I'm here for it. Uh, one of my favorite parts in uh, Milo Murphy's Law Reanimated was uh, the part with the Dan and Swampy and it's like epic, yes. uh, JPEGs that had like movie mouse. It, and it's, it, I thought I found it so funny to have Swampy being surfing over the tar. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part was the Phineas slash Bradley part where he comes in and then it turns bradley into kevin for a second that entire part <laughs> i just started bursting out laughing so hard there's so much chaotic energy and all the references in it yeah. i loved looking through all through it again and seeing all the references it was so it's so enjoyable and so fun somebody threw in a reference to animaniacs in the at the end i saw that on my last yes. rewatch i'm like oh, oh i saw that <laughs> The Warner Brothers and the Warner Sister are sitting in the back of the classroom. <laughs> I really like the 3D style when Zach and Milo are trapped by the aliens. Yeah. And the aliens are like using the chicken replacinator. That's one of my favorites. One that I noticed that I really liked was um, the the bridge one with Phineas coming, Phineas falling, or Candace and Phineas on the bridge with the cd yes i didn't that notice so clever. that oh i love that then yeah love yeah that. you have to watch it so many times to catch because every animator you only had like seven or eight to eight seconds to work with so they're allowed to take the time to put more detail into their parts yeah Except for the one person right. that literally just used like 
like like a couple of JPEGs and yes. <laughs> the the just like a still of Tim and Moby for some reason. <laughs> Tim and Moby ones. Oh my gosh, gosh. When that part first came in, there was literally four seconds of it with no animation. It was literally just two JPEGs. And so I reached out to a different animator and was like, hey, you want to ghost animate the last four seconds of this? And now it's got like the bee from the bee movie on top of the wolf. And it's actually <laughs> movement. <laughs> I'm like, good. You you made it look bad like it's supposed to, not bad like not, I put not it in like lazy. <laughs> yeah. No, no offense to the person who did that, but like, come on. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> if they happen to be listening to this. I mean, I, I could have done that in keyframes on, on Adobe Premiere. That's not that hard. And I can't animate for anything. Although I could do stop motion. So maybe next time you do a reanimated, I'll do something stop motion. I just need to get some Legos. Yeah, the Lego parts in this were really cool too. The yeah, there was a Lego. There was a few of them. So I think that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Um, does anyone have anything they want to plug? Uh, not really. <laughs> Just your Twitter is fine. Oh, okay. Well, uh, at Twitter, I'm slide over stretch, except in the over, there's no E. <laughs> there's no E in the over. I'm at It's Kate the Great on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Starport97 and at the YouTube channel Starport97. I've got a handful of episodes of my flagship show, Theme Park Backlot, on there. And I'm still planning on doing the Disney Springs video, but that's still a ways off. Especially since I'm going to be starting a new series of vlogs that are a combination of a vlog and a scripted video. And I'm going to have a whole bunch of that coming from my upcoming road trip, so I'm very much looking forward to that. If you like this and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe. I'm on all the usual places. Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and now iHeartRadio and Audible. And of course, also Anchor, where I upload this podcast to also please leave us a review and give us five stars and share us with your friends if you liked it and be sure to join us next week when we talk about amphibia well we're gonna do it again for milo murphy's law a new behind the scenes video with the rap song score we did one for phineas this is a sequel to it with a brand new crew it's only fair we're gonna do it again that's right we're not stopping just be glad you don't see me and swampy popping a lot we're working hard like this too along with weird al we've got a great cast of voices from the channel and beyond all our top choices we got sabrina carpenter we got makai curtis chrissy fit jermaine clement i think they heard us ming na kate mccucci Dietrich fader christian slater there's also me and swampy but we don't show up till later so set your dvr because you are gonna want to see milo murphy's law on disney xd if you want more information like a real insider just check the local listings on your provider check the local listings on your provider. Word.